Well, hello, everybody out there in podcast land. This is April from Dental Ailments, and Cindy is on vacation this week, so I get the honor of interviewing a very special guest, Dr. Ron Schefter. Hello, Dr. Ron. How are you? Good. I see you're, you're in Florida, and it looks pretty nice behind you. It's pretty nice, about 360 days a year here. Well, it's, it feels like Florida here for the past like three months. It's dry as a bone out here. But uh, we need some rain for sure. But enough about the weather. Um, I was trying to think of the history, how we've met virtually. So you were on one of the Facebook sites. And I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad you did. Yeah. And uh, I was like, he's got some pearls of wisdom that I think will be very valuable, even though I'm just a little assistant. <laughs> little assistant, you're the brains of the operation there. Well, thank you so much. I was like, you know, this, this guy's giving, he's, he's uh, giving me some pretty good outspoken, which I like that t type of advice. So, Hey, let me tell you just a little bit about assistance. You know, 37 years of practicing, some of the best organization that I had in my office came from my dental assistants. You know, like putting everything in bins. You know, 40 years ago, that was not really heard of. My dental assistant, and came up with that and says, look, we're putting all the composite in this bin, setting all the rooms up the same. It's like, what a genius. I mean, all, some of the really good systems we ended up with were definitely just from the only the dental assistants, right? Right. Yeah, I should ask my husband. It drives him super nuts that I want to organize the house. I don't like junk drawers. <laughs> drives me crazy. <laughs> so I, I need everything efficient even at my house. So yeah, it, it, it spills over, but they yeah. work. Systems work. It does. Yeah. So um, you went to, you've been in, you were in practice for how long? 37 years in practice in the Chicago suburbs, Western suburbs. Oh, you're in Chicago and retired to Florida. Sounds oh yeah. Now I'm retired. I mean, this is, you know, this is where you got to go when you retire. Oh yeah. I grew up in Michigan in Midwest, obviously. And yeah, all the snowbirds went to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have a lot to talk about today. Yep. And um, you have a special system. Would you call it a system that you use? Um, the, the no hygiene model. Is that what it's called? Yeah, we have a couple of systems. One is with our periodontal program. Uh, they've been published in the front cover of Dentistry Today, and people can go to the website and see it, the Farmington website. But the one that you're probably more interested in today, because it's hygienists are getting tougher to find, and a lot of doctors, over 250 now in the last 18 months have actually contacted me and said, can you teach me the no hygienist model? So most of it I do for free. I really would like the doctors not to be scared about this or the hygienists. Mm -hmm. You know, the hygienists are really, really valuable, but they're good for not every business model. So for me, when I was practicing, I like to do comprehensive dentistry. And so it required me to really talk to the patients a lot. And it would, I could not stand, it was a deal breaker if somebody interrupted me. I did not want to be interrupted while I'm going through a treatment plan. And the patient's crying or they're, you know, they're emotional, it's a lot of money. So I'm not going to do no hygiene checks. 
right? I'm not going to join in-network insurance companies to bring our volume up. I'm not going to get a bigger facility than I need to accommodate that. It just wasn't, it's, I'm just not doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we did our business model. I wish we would have had, like, we could have fit hygienists in with us. I just couldn't figure out how. And some of the hygienists that I interviewed, I mean, they just wanted to do bloody profies and go home. And uh, there are some great hygienists out there and I've talked to them and I know them. But, you know, just like dentists, not all of them are really good. I, it just didn't work for me. So, but yes, we have a system and a model. It works very good. It's very profitable, low stress, uh, better for the patient because I get to spend a lot more time with them. Now, is there, is there somewhere that doctors can talk, contact you to talk about this? Or oh, yeah, they can go to our Pharmaden site. Our Pharmaden is, it's the only nutraceutical or vitamin in the world that's been tested on periodontal patients, shown to reduce pocket depth, plaque, and bleeding. So it's a great adjunct to treatment. Because nutrition is part of the problem of perio in three quarters of the patients when you ask them. So if you go to the Pharmaden site, it's P-H-A-R-M-A-D-E-N.net and uh, just look on um, the health professional uh, section and then it says schedule a coaching section and it's for free. I'm happy to talk to you guys about it as long as you want or ladies. Okay. Yeah. So I I know you and I had talked about this at length in some of our uh, sessions and yeah, it, it, it can, I wouldn't say it would be controversial. Would you say the no hygiene model? I want to say somehow it is to a lot of people and oh my yeah. God, you know, I, they really get excited about this, but once they understand that it's, it's nothing bad with hygienists, it was just a model that was comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Hygienists didn't fit into that model, but I think hygienists are really, really valuable in other models, a, a higher flowing office in network. Um, you know, it's great for a lot of doctors. I never had that energy to chair hop either. Yeah. I'm just too lazy. I just, I just don't want to see more than, you know, five to 10 patients a day. I, I don't know. I guess I just, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a real high energy guy. At least you, at least you found a, a system that worked for you. And then now you can kind of, I don't say customize it to other dentists, but it's a model that you can use universally. What's kind of cool is that, you know, we figured out on probably five offices that I worked with, how the hygienist actually does still fit into their office. So on that note, talking about changes in the, in the kind of the current model or old model, you'd say, of dentistry, the way they've been practicing for decades, um, you're an innovative guy, obviously. What do you think it's going to take to kind of shake up the industry and let people be innovative and creative? Well, I've been writing about this and saying this for a while now, but tell me who's ever listening to this, if you think this is too far-fetched. So somebody goes to their cardiologist and has a heart issue or they have had a stroke. And lo and behold, there's somebody either at the doctor's office or somewhere has noticed this particular person has periodontal disease. And it's a moderate disease. So it's been there for a while. Do you think, how far-fetched is it that an attorney can smell money on this one? I mean, wherever there's money to be made, an attorney is going to do it. Well, 
you know, if you look at the research, strokes and periodontal disease is probably the most, the strongest connection. And then all the other 98 other things that can happen have been linked. How long is it going to take that attorneys smell another um, avenue to make some money and make a case for it? So I, I don't know. I just think that's the future. I, I just think human beings are human beings and lawyers are lawyers. And there's a lot of new patients that come into my office. I'd say the majority of them that have perio. And even the ADA says 50% of Americans have some sort of periodontal disease. When I go into an office and follow a doctor that has a hygienist, high volume model, I find undiagnosed uh, periodontal disease all the time. So I don't know what to tell you. I just know what I know and what I see. And I, I, I think the future, I mean, it's not gonna affect me one bit, but if I was a, a dentist today, um, I would be really, really strict. I would not allow bloody propies, five millimeter pockets. I wouldn't allow five millimeter pockets and sixes. I just think it's, um, it's that's the place, the foundation of oral health is, is we have to do perio. And perio, needs to be taught differently in schools. You know, when I had my periodontal program, there was nobody, I couldn't get healthy. And you go, oh, well, well, I'll tell you why. And hygienists aren't doing this, neither are dentists. Um, it isn't just a bacterial problem. And plus it's products too. You know, you let them go buy Listerine or whatever garbage is on sale at Walmart, instead of having really good products that actually work inside your office for them to use. Um, but they have to pay attention and ask the patient, are your nutritional habits really good, average or poor? Periodontal patients will tell you average or poor almost every time. Again, there's a supplement, double blind study for this to use as an adjunct to address that issue. And then when was your last physical exam at your physician? If it's been over a year, I require them to go and get a physical. The reason is, is because when I did the research in my office and I had a CLIA license, C-L-I-A, it's a license issued by the government that allowed me to take a blood test in my dental office. And we ran it, all kinds of blood tests. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. But what I found out was what 14% of my patients that went through our periodontal program, I, we diagnosed, not diagnosed them, we screened them for uh, diabetes and they had undiagnosed diabetes. We sent them right away to their physician for a diagnosis and they confirmed it. There's been two other research studies five years after I had written my paper on this confirming right about the same percentage that I, I did. So how do we expect good results on undiagnosed diabetics? Another 5% had some underlying medical issues. So that's nearly one out of five. There's a medical issue. Three quarters will tell you that their nutrition's crap. We don't even pay attention to that. And then, um, you know, forget the flaws, five to 7% of patients floss. Get something that they'll actually do. Interdental brushes, uh, toothpicks, water flossers. You know, they'll do those many more times. Don't get people to do something they're not going to do. It's just the dumbest thing. So, you know, I think we need to up our game on, on periodontal disease and be more robust. We have a more robust program. You know, I've been writing and saying and doing this now for 20 years, that particular program. And uh, I've invited universities to please, you know, use my program, see if you get the same results. I mean, there's nobody we can't get well. So.
I know you and I had also talked about where we could do a couple episodes because you and I share a story about siblings who are diabetic. Um, and I'm going to do that in another episode, but you bring up nutrition, which it's a great piggyback to the uh, interview I just had last Friday. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Uchi out of Toronto, but he's not, have you talked to him before? Yeah. Well, some years ago, he's been, he's been around a while. Yeah. And it was fascinating talking to, talking to him about the lack of nutritional counseling in, in the office, in the practices. Oh, it's it, non-existent. Yeah. And it's just like incredible what we could be doing on the front lines as you were talking about in the comprehensive exams like hey are you eating like crap or do you have any health issues and you know yeah go see your your primary care physician and this you know your mouth's connected to the rest of your body people forget that yeah the thing i had with nutrition is trying to change people's eating habits mm -hmm. i was pushing a boulder up a hill i couldn't do it so after about five years um, I had to look for other avenues and, you know, vitamins off the shelf weren't working. So we, you know, we had to develop our own nutraceutical and, uh, and we did and it helped. It, it worked. It, it filled that void. So I think that in talk, you're talking about the blood work. It'd be incredible to do that in the, the dental office. It, it would help so many people. And uh, that'd be the good groundwork to help with their, we know they're going to get perio. <laughs> Or they already have it. The exciting thing for me is, you know, we tested homocysteine and high sensitivity C-reactive protein. And there are so many people that it was so elevated, those inflammatory markers, they were just setting themselves up for a stroke or some other disease. And so, you know, I said, even if your gums, if you don't care about your gums, you know, you're setting yourself up. Here, here's the data on this. A high CRP with a high homocysteine and poor eating habits. I mean, you're going to get a stroke or a heart attack. And they go, oh, well, you got to die of something. Yeah, but I'd rather die at 80 than at 50. <laughs> so that brings us back to talking about a potential lawsuit that may be happening in the future that will shake up dentistry. And I, I think you're absolutely correct on that. That's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. It's unfortunate that we're not going to do it on our own. And then that you also brought up dental schools. How do you feel dental schools should change the curriculum for these future generations of dentists here to help them also be more innovative? And I find they just don't want to. They're not interested. They're just they want they want to just um, the doctors I've talked to at dental schools that are there to stay just don't want to work real hard and shake things up. I'm sorry, I'm gonna call it the way I see it. And you guys dug your own grave. You know, I've talked to probably a hundred of you guys. And it's just like, you just don't care much. And we've got to change the educational system, especially if you're paying five or $600,000 for the education. And, and the requirements have gone down. Don't get me started on that, that's a whole nother program. But, you know, we're not getting people well. You know, it's more of a, let's make money game. And money's great. I mean, you know, we always did a million. Our overhead was less than 50%. I mean, you'll make money in dentistry no matter what you do, but why not give people well and do better quality? So do you feel like, sounds like a more holistic approach to dentistry, not just taking mercury out of teeth and placing it with composites, but whole body health? Well, it has to be because it's connected, right? right? 
right? And people forget that this this big gaping maw that we have in our head is <laughs> attached to the rest of the body. Dr. Mayo said years and years ago, you know, dentistry is just a branch of medicine. It's, that's we are. I was hoping that um, dentistry would work closer with physicians. It, you know, it would help the whole profession, both professions, to go back and forth and work with each other. You know, we're a branch of medicine. If there's an infection in the mouth, it's going to affect the body. You know, people are getting artificial joints put in, and they have perio. I, there was a few uh, doctors that were smart enough to send them to me before they did the surgery to get a dental clearance. And I got to tell you, three quarters of the patients that they sent to me to get artificial joints had perio. I had a treat. I documented everything, showed pictures. Um, Patients were all mad and, you know, surgeries are undocumented, but, you know, those artificial joints will fail, a percentage of them will, if they're going into surgery with periodontal disease. But that's not a big thing, except to a very small handful of physicians right now. I think that's a shame. Yeah, and honestly, when I talk to physicians about dentistry, they're, they give me kind of a blank look. They're like, we maybe learned the teeth numbers. That's the extent of it. I even had a physician once ask me during a root canal if we re extract the tooth. I thought he was joking, but he wasn't. I'm like, wow, that's, <laughs> they are pretty inept when it comes to the oral cavity. It is. I, I had one physician once, uh, we were getting ready and he, he asked what the fee was and I told him and he goes, oh, that's, that's not worth it at all. I said, there you go. Here's the pliers. You know, do it yourself. He tried. He actually tried. Really? <laughs> yeah. I says, I'll just sit back here and wait until you're done. <laughs> About 10 minutes of that, he, uh, he, he gave in. Wow. Yeah. So do you see, I know they talk about physicians and dentists finally teaming up. Do you see that happening? Well, Ayash, um, Chris Kammer started that, but it was based on a seminar that him and I did together um, years ago talking about this very subject and talking about, we actually had an attorney on the line that at that time was suing dentists and he passed on just not much later. Um, so it didn't carry on and it didn't catch on to the rest of the, the field. But, um, you know, we, we talked about this 20, 25 years ago and it's still not happening. So I just hope the next generation of dentists are more health conscious. The country that's going to lead the world and be the strongest is going to be the healthiest. And if we can pay attention to health and you have more productive people, um, you know, you could outpace, outthink, outwork any other country. And I think the future of America depends on, on health and keeping us healthy, healthier than the rest of the world. We're not right now. We're not, not mentally, emotionally, or physically. No. Um, what do you think it would take to get the uh, medical and dental industries to finally melt together, connect? Well, there have to be intervention, you know, lawyers, like we had already talked about, government intervention. You know, the government can say anything and they, they got to do it. I mean, look what happened with COVID, right? Whatever they said that we had to do, regardless of what you thought. So I think, you know, getting the government to actually understand and to think what's best for the country um, and start making stricter rules, making the education more robust with Perio. 
uh, making the requirements a little little tougher than they are now mm -hmm. in dental school. So sounds like we should have you lobby in, in DC. Should I wish some people would listen to me? There's always these hidden agendas though too that we don't know about. Right. Right, because sometimes things just make sense. It's like, why isn't this not happening? Us, well, because we don't know the other back half of the story. Right. So, and we never will. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what do you think it would take to empower hygienists, dentists, and assistants? Because you, you, you really value. I can tell you really value everybody on the on your team. You're, oh, absolutely. You know, I don't know how this would work. But is there a specialist, should, should hygienists own their own office and be specialists in one, in one area, right? With hygiene perio. The problem is how do you, how would I take my patient and refer them to them and hope they come back to me like they would with, I, I don't know how you'd work that out, but I could definitely see that dentists aren't interested in talking about perio, getting people well, um, periodontal wise, which I don't understand. It thrills me to do it. I got paid well doing it. Um, but most dentists don't have that interest. So give it to the hygienists. They're interested. They've gone to school. They're very well trained. But once they have, I, I just don't know how that's going to work with my restorative patient that I need to get back after I send them there first. Um, I don't know. That's for bigger, bigger minds to figure out. And you we were talking about the assistance feeling more empowered and using their skills to their fullest extent with your, with the hygiene uh, program you're talking about, where we do everything to the top of our license, of course, state dependent. And then we bring in, bring in production that way as well. I've had such good dental assistants. I mean, in Illinois, coronal scaling um, is allowed. Uh, the polishing, the fluoride treatment, the x-rays, um, they talk to them about all the products that I want them to use, um, showing them how to use all the products. Um, oh my goodness, uh, assistants are so valuable. Um, and, and really, I've had some really, really good ones and really caring ones. And they're about half the price of a hygienist. So, I mean, $25 an hour versus 50 or more. And plus they're, well, I don't know about today, they will in a few more months when the government quits giving money out, but I think um, assistants are easier to find, easier to train. Um, I, I, I think it'd be silly not to cross. I had three cross-trained people in my office and I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, and I, I, I'm hoping, well, I think all the assistants in the, are hoping that one day there'll be like a national licensure yeah. as a requirement. I mean, I've, I've worked some amazing assistants that have been on the job trained, but it boils down to personality and patient care and your bedside manner, technical skills you can teach to anybody, but having that certification or licensure across the board will make it so much easier. Yep. And us. you know what's really interesting, some patients, a good part of them, actually trusted my dental assistant, I think, more to me. I, doctors, if you think that you're God in your office, you get another thing coming. You know, you, they'll trust your hygienist, your assistant, sometimes your front desk. They'll say things to them that they'll never say to us. 
So, you know, I, I think really good people with a warm heart is, you're right, those are the people I hire. I stole them from other businesses too, from Starbucks to Dunkin' Donuts to, you know, a waitress. I mean, if they're really good, they're smart, they're, they care for me, uh, and they know how, how to service me, oh man, I'll, I'll jump on there and go, how would you like to make a lot more money than what you're making here? Yeah, it's true. I've heard, heard that story many times, like poaching from other industries. Could you see the value in, in how they treat in customer service? Patient care is customer service to an extent. It is. Mm-hmm. Caring people with a warm heart. Boy, there's nothing better than that. But if right. you're a fast, fast-paced office and your business model is just strictly, you know, money and get them in and get them out. I mean, I, I can't blame doctors for doing that. When my first 17 years, we had three locations six associates and a staff of 30. I get that. And no dentist is going to bullshit me about any anything about dentistry because I've had all the models. And for me, I mean, making money is great. But once you have it, uh, to me, it felt pretty empty because I really wasn't doing what I really enjoyed doing. And that's, that's helping people get better, uh, working with my hands and my brains and, and just helping people get healthier. You know, that's so much more fun building relationships with patients and doing some meaningful dentistry. That's the fun of being a dentist. That's why I survived 37 years. After 17 years of making a lot more money than I did the last 20 years, it was just an empty feeling. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun doing dentistry. So what? So you made a lot of money, but you didn't do really what feeds your soul. Right. And right. I, I, would, I would encourage all staff members um, and doctors to do what makes you really happy? What what gives you the fertilizer for your soul? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, what's going to fulfill you? And uh, yeah. I think at heart, we're all caregivers. Um, and we want the best for our patients. I know everybody says that, but it's, it's true. And finding that, planting those seeds and watering those seeds that will bring everybody happiness, especially yourself. Um, these are really amazing ideas. I know we've had this discussion many, many times. And where can dentists, you have this uh, your coaching program. It's called DRS. DRS Coaching Systems. It's a Facebook page. You can just look it up and see what other doctors are saying about it. Um, I got into it. Um, you know, I'm retired. You know, I, I'm not going to spend the money that I've got. So... I'm not doing this as a business and seeing how big I can get and blah, blah, blah. I mean, some dentists think that's, that's why I started this. When you have 250 doctors get a hold of you, you, you got to think of a name of something and funnel it in there, right? And, and give them some information. And so it, that's, that's how I got into coaching. It wasn't something I wanted to do. So what I did is um, I only work if dentists want to work with me. Uh, more than just one or two consultations. I'll work with them for a few months and I only work with four practices at a time. I'm, I'm retired. So right. I only want to do this. Cool. Like, <laughs> right. 15 to 17 hours a week is all I really want to do this. So I work with four offices and then rotate them. I try to get them out of the uh, consulate. I ch- charge them uh, a few thousand dollars a month. They charge them to pay an assistant they help make them millions of dollars. Okay, that's that's how ridiculous the ROI is on that forum. But I work with them, and I really within eight weeks they should have enough information, um, like 
how to read reports. You know, doctors say, what do you mean reports? There's eight reports that you should read that should be generated at the beginning of each month. And my CFO did that, your bookkeeper could do it. There's eight reports. And if you read those eight reports, you can manage your practice no matter what size it is. And in 15 minutes, you'll know what's going good, what's going bad, what needs to be changed. Um, it's so valuable to have reports. And no doctor, not one doctor I've talked to yet has generated those reports. So I teach, that's one of the things I teach them how to do, how to be a leader. Nobody's ever taught us how to be a leader. You know, they just think they're a boss and they got to bark out orders because they're, they're paying everybody. That's not being a leader at all, you know? Leadership training, staff meetings. You know, most of them, their staff meetings, a lot of them have quit them because they're just bitch sessions. And the purpose of a staff meeting is to solve a problem and be productive during that time. So there's a specific way to run a staff meeting. And so we go through that, just the basics that really should have been taught. Systems, you know about that too, right? You gotta put oh, some yeah. systems. Oh yeah, you gotta keep things organized. It's much more efficient time, you save time. And stress, you know, if you gotta leave the room to go find an instrument, that's crazy. It is, and I can't, I bet if you added up all the minutes of us running down the hallway <laughs> to the next operatory and the patient yeah. waiting there and then you, you know, the doctor handing it, you're empty handed and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> Put all the tools, everything at the same place in every operatory, it's just, so much easier to do. You know, just like to train. They go, oh, well, how do I train somebody if I take them, you know, from Starbucks? Well, I had some, you know, on the iPad at work, we had the videos of all the tray setups, how to sterilize. I mean, it was basically like a YouTube forum, right? They didn't even know what a sterilizer was. Well, we talked them through it in a five-minute video. They knew how to sterilize instruments. They knew how to set up my 12 trays that I wanted. Exactly. They didn't even know the name of the instruments. They didn't have to. My dental assistant would learn that. But it's like, okay, day one, here, this tray, go set it up. Go watch the YouTube, set it up, bring it in the room. How to clean a room up. You know, we videoed how to, how to clean a room. Those videos are really, really valuable. So you go through it on person, and then they could go to the video and go fast forward, go back. You know, you could train, a dental assistant can be trained fairly quick, but doctors, oh yeah, I never thought about that. So I know it's simple stuff that like you and I think about, and then I go into these offices and they ask for my advice and I'm like, well, <laughs> you kind of have an area, I mean, it looks like a bunch of junk drawers and it takes a lot of time for us to sift through these instruments and put them in order. And, you know, I, I tell, I tell people, I tell Dennis, you're like the chef in any office I go into, you're all chefs, but y'all cook a little bit differently. Yeah. So I want to know how you cook <laughs> so I can get, we can, the patient, the meals exactly how you want it. Yep. Yeah. There's a, a doctor that um, is just finishing up with 50 videos and they're about, oh, seven minute videos on how to do for doctors on how to do techniques to save them time. And it's, it's amazing. It's, I'm gonna be, um, if you guys wanna know more about it, it's gonna be released probably in a month or two. But boy, every doctor ought to get something like that just to help them on the doctor side to know how to cook better, right? A lot of doctors are cooking, but it's so inefficient the way they're cooking, right? Right, you're gonna have a burned meal. <laughs> 
it's still taking an hour for a couple of fillings. And it's like, oh my goodness sakes. And still open contacts. It's like, here, here's a seven minute video just to show you exactly how to do this. And um, it'd be really, really good for that first five years in practice because you fumble through things and you didn't learn much in dental school. So that's coming. If anybody's interested, just let me know. I'll, I'll uh, let you know uh, more about that. Yeah, please do. I'd be curious to see those. And, uh, you know, I have, I have younger doctors. A lot of them are younger than me now. Uh, asking for advice like that. I'm like, hey, no problem. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Do some good tips. They're like, I never thought of that. And, and they're like, you think of things logically from a different perspective. I'm like, who would have thunk? <laughs> now, do you go into offices too and show them how they could actually save money by being more efficient? I do show them systems, and I don't have the actual analytics, but just the time alone that they, they see, it's, it's funny how the light bulb goes off. They're like, I never thought of that. I'm like, yeah, just years of practice. It's just little tidbits and pieces of advice that I've gotten that's really helped me out and saved time. And it's yeah, I just, I just told the doctor's office about, um, they were buying their supplies from four, four different vendors. So when I talked to the office staff, she spent like an hour ordering supplies every week. I go, look, there's one vendor that's cheaper than everybody else. Go ahead and check it out. Just stick to one vendor. Now, every few months you can compare and make sure they're honest about it. But I go, you know, if you could find one vendor that's really good. So she's using it now and it takes her 15 minutes instead of an hour. I mean, just that one little thing that's 45 minutes a week on one staff member, that's 18 bucks a week. I think she was making 25 an hour. So that's about $18 a week. Mm -hmm. Plus the time that she could spend doing something else. It's more productive. Interesting. You bring that up too. I'm talking to a, a doctor out here that he just developed a new dental software. And you know, there's a bazillion of them out there, you know, yeah. Dentrix, EagleSoft. Yeah. But you know, when you look at those softwares, it's just a lot of extraneous stuff, a lot of words, a lot of buttons, which make, takes up a lot of time. So he came up with this new software. It, it's almost, I joked with him, I said, you know, it's almost too simple. And he started laughing. He goes, yeah, I just, he goes, it would drive me nuts when I'm in procedure and I look at these softwares and I'm looking at all this stuff we don't need. I said, yeah, it's like the junk drawer. <laughs> and it's incredibly simple. And, um, uh, I'm going to be looking into it and uh, training on it just, just out of my own curiosity. But That's I'm perfect. Dentrix surely came up with like a basic dumbass model, right? I would have bought that in a minute. Yeah, dental but, software for dummies. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me, let me make an appointment. Six things. Here, here's the six things I want to do and do them really well. Not 55 things that we might use someday, maybe. And if I do use it, I'm not going to remember how you how to do it anyway. Yeah, so he's gotten ahead of the game with them. I'm like, this is really too simple. I'm like looking for things I don't need. And he's laughing at me. He goes, yeah, because we don't need it. I said, yeah, you're right. And he took actually someone from another industry, never been in dentistry, and it took them only two weeks to learn the software. Well, do me a favor. When you get the information, just send that to me too. I'll call him. I'll, I'll, I'd like to talk to him. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Trust him trust them quite a bit. So um, yeah, I'll do that for sure. And uh, you, you can 
if you, if you think it's a good thing, you can tell the dentist about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, well, it's been an amazing talking to you as always. And to the assistants out there who are listening, please get a hold of Dr. Ron. He's been nothing but respectful to me. Answers my questions, keeps it real, which I like. <laughs> he doesn't sugarcoat anything. I do not. And that's the way it should be. And uh, always open for advice. Well, maybe I shouldn't volunteer you. <laughs> Hear me. Oh, yeah. You know, you guys need help too. And um, you should be, you know, the thing is you should have a talk with your boss at the beginning. If you're good and, and you know what you're doing, you should be respected in the office. And don't, just because there's a DR in front of his name or pays your bill or pays your, writes your check, that, now you got to be respected for what you're doing for the office, what you're doing for the patients. You're a valued team member, just like a hygienist, just like the front desk. And the doctors, there's so many of them that are just so ignorant. You should, I have to talk to them. I just got to tell them, you're an awful leader. You're just awful. I just had to tell a doctor that today. He was just a jerk. I go, why are you such a jerk? I mean, who's going to want to work with you? No wonder nobody wants to work with you. And it's, you know, they, they get this degree and they're called doctor all day. And, you know, they write the checks and they just think they can say and do anything. It's like, didn't your mother teach you anything? Right, right. But see, see, he keeps it real, everybody. <laughs> Leave it to Dr. Schefter. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll tell him. I mean, oh, yeah. 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 And hopefully they listen. <laughs> Many won't. No, well. Okay. We'll get some of them, but be respected. Don't let don't let uh, doctors, you know, not respect you guys. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure. And again, to find you, it's DRS Coaching Systems. DRS Coaching Systems. That's okay. a Facebook group. Okay. And then, if you want to make an appointment with me on my calendar, it's at pharmaden.net. P H A R M A D E N dot net. And you look under like professionals and you can find my, my calendar in there. Excellent. Well, please take my advice. If it's worth anything, please get a hold of him. He's a wealth of information and has mentored me and always up for questions. And I'm always up for his answers because and his entertainment. <laughs> so thank you, Dr. Chef Dor. It's been, it's been great. Thank you for the interview. Absolutely. Have a fabulous weekend. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.